God is good. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up one more time for those powerful testimonies. God is funny. Oh, man. I just came back from West Papua, Indonesia. If you know where that is on a map, Pastor John Michael is going to give you $5 after service. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I, I, want to, I want to share with you about that trip as well. And, and there's really a special word that God's placed on my heart. So if you can open up your Bibles and turn... To John chapter 1, we're going to read from verses 14 to 18. <laughs> so I had no idea that that was the verse he was going to share. That's why I'm laughing hysterically and weirdly, um, kind of awkwardly. Some of you are like, I don't know what to do because I don't know what's so funny. Um, sometimes when God moves, it's, it's funny, you know, because he's so good. Some of you, you're here today for the first time at New Philly. I want to say welcome. Some of you, you've been here a couple times. I want to say welcome. <laughs> Some of you, you've been here seven years. I want to say welcome. And I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them that you are God's provision. <laughs> turn to your other neighbor. Tell them, neighbor, you are God's provision. <laughs> Some of y'all, when y'all did that, you look like it was the first time you've ever spoken to someone. You're like, you provision. <laughs> if you're at John 1, if you're at John 1, not 1 John 1, John 1, if you're there, we're going to read verses 14 to 18. And then I also want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter one, put your finger there at Hebrews chapter one. We're going to read one verse from there as well. John one, 14 to 18. Let's read this all together. One, two, three. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Skip to verse 16. And from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And then Hebrews 1.3. If you're not there, that's fine. I'll read it. It says, the Son is the radiance of of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Bow your heads. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for these testimonies. We thank you that the testimony of what you have done is the spirit of prophecy in our lives. And so, God, what you have done in the nations, God, we declare, do here in Itaewon. 
God, what you've done in Indonesia, in Las Vegas, San Francisco, what you've done in Japan, God, what you've done in the Philippines, God, do here in our lives, God. Lord, we pray for your anointing to fall in this place, God, that every heart that has been hard would be made wide open to receive your word. And that, God, every lie of the devil would be completely broken off. God, that you would establish us today in our identity, God, as being people who are chosen by you, sent by you, God, who are filled with your spirit. So, Lord, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes before I preach, I say a silent prayer to God. I say, God, you know. How will you confirm today? Because like every time I get up to preach, God confirms one way or another that this that whatever I preach is what he wants for the congregation to hear. And today I just said a silent prayer. I said, God, how will you confirm today what you want the people to hear? And, you know, it's the worship. Is this to worship, worshiping God? I said, no, no. Con- talking to people? No. Going through the testimonies? Well, you know what, God? I'm just going to say this word in faith. And then as soon as I think that, Mark, Pastor Mark reads that out. And I, said, I could just hear God. He's like, gotcha. You thought I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, so I just came back from West Papua. I just want to say on behalf of all the teams, thank you uh, for supporting us. Thank you for all of those who have sewn in. We had over 50 people go out on missions. We had over 100 people sign up to pray and to fast for the teams as we were out in the nations. And this trip, these trips actually was the the largest support that's ever went out that was self-initiated, meaning that most of you, many of you who supported, you actually supported people who did not give you a support letter, like in the case of me. Many of you that supported me, you never received a support letter from me, but God had given you that initiative to do it. And so we just want to say thank you that your prayers were felt. We felt the grace of this entire house, even while we were gone on Sunday. I know you guys prayed for us during service and we could feel that feel that grace. And so I want to say thank you on behalf of all the teams. We had an amazing trip in West Papua. I mean, it was a trip and it's it's really interesting to say, but. Every time I go on missions, I have this kind of mentality that missions is going to be hard. You know, that we're going to go out and in the back of my mind, mission impossible. You know, just going through my head because I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to sleep in like a pile of dirt. I'm going to have to like, I'm going to, you know. I'm going to bathe my, like, I'm not, I'm not going to have water to bathe. I'm going to bathe with a little bottle. Like, I don't, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, we're going to ride in a car, like, in, in Bangladesh, we rode, like, on the back of a tractor. Like, you know, and so I'm imagining, like, the next trip, I'm going to have to sleep on the back of a tractor. Like, every trip, I'm just thinking, like, man, maybe this trip is going to be harder. And especially with West Papua, because Pastor Christian, he went to West Papua three years ago. And he kept telling me, he just, you need to prepare yourself. He just looked at me. He's like, boy, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. You need to prepare yourself. It's, mm, you ain't ready. You ain't ready for the mosquitoes. And so I'm thinking like, okay, you know, I'm working on my moves like to bat away the mosquitoes. But we go and it's a trip of rest, of ease. It was a trip where God just provided for every single one of our needs. 
And the craziest thing was this trip stuck out above all the other trips because this was the first trip where I ever got off, off the plane and there was a welcoming party. And when I say welcoming party, I don't mean like five people with a sign like, hey, like there were hundreds of people. Like we got off our plane in West Papua and we stepped down off and we get there and there's these people holding this large banner with our pictures on it. <laughs> our full names, passport names, like full names, Marcus Angelo, that's my middle name, don't judge me. Marcus Angelo Corpening, like full names of the team. And they're standing there. And then, not just that, I thought that was good enough. Then there's a hundred people standing behind them, clapping and worshiping God like this. I, I forgot what they were saying, but whatever they were saying, it sounded anointed. And they were, they were praising God that we had arrived. And then they made a, like a little soul train. Like they made like a little tunnel for us to walk through. And I was like, hey, you know, I felt like the president. Like I was just wanting to kiss a baby. Just, mm -hmm. It was so awesome. Like they, when they let us, when they let us in, they let us into the governor's suite of the hotel, of the, uh, of the airport, you know? And I, at first I didn't rec I didn't know what was going on. I was just walking in. I was like, Oh, this is nice. What's going on? What are we doing here? You know? And then they don't tell us later on. We find out that they took us into the governor's suite of the airport. And then the rest of the trip, we, we saw mass deliverance, healings, breakthroughs. Like we saw God's sons and daughters get raised up. Um, but we really had a chance, not like that first sign of having the welcoming party was really a sign to us that God was setting us up to minister to people of influence. Uh, we got a chance to minister to a guy we called Mr. Seas was his name. And he was the youngest member of the House of Representatives, but he was the most influential. And he treated us to dinner and like we got a chance to pray with him and prophesied over him and prophesied over many different business leaders, other leaders in government, like all these government officials that we got a chance to minister to. And it was so easy. Like you would think that, you know, for me to minister to someone, for me to have an impact to someone in a high place, man, I got to work hard. I got to do this hard. I got to No, We just stepped off the plane walked into the place, just ministered as God called us to minister, and we ended up ministering to people whom we would have never imagined we would have had that opportunity to minister to. I remember ministering to Mr. Seuss, and it was so crazy because he looked just like my uncle. <laughs> like, literally, because, like, people in, like in West Papua, they, they're aboriginal in descent, but they look like African descent. So I looked at them, and I was like, Oh, he black. Like, oh, he's black. Like his skin looks like mine. His hair looks like mine. Like, you know, and they're look, and it was so funny because when we stepped in, like I was the first one off. And so we step in and everyone's worshiping and they're like, yeah, yeah. And then they saw me and they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they were tripping out. It was awesome. You know, by the, by the end of the trip, we administered to, uh, this House of Representatives leader, we ministered to the sister, or was it the wife of the head of the House of Representatives? We, we ministered to uh, business owners, and then at the very end of the trip, actually had a chance to connect with the assistant to the governor of the whole area. And he was crazy because he was sitting with me, asking me for insight into Muslim-Christian relations in Indonesia. It was wild. 
I was sitting there talking to him and stuff's coming out of my mouth and I don't even realize who I'm talking to and what's happening until afterwards. And Lisa's kind of like, you know what just happened? Snap. That was crazy, you know? It was so easy. It was so easy. And what we realized was, and what I realized through this trip was that the breakthroughs and the power of God was being released. And, and it was being released not simply just because of what we did. It didn't come from actually the things that we did. It didn't come from the way that we ministered. It came from who we were. Breakthroughs, the power of God, the healings, the signs and wonders, all these things happened. And they happened in large part because of who we are. I realized that for myself personally, after after the after one of the ministry times, when someone walks up to me and they shake my hand and they say, thank you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they say, you know, you, you look like us. They're like, you are a son of Papua. They, the team started calling me son of Papua. So everyone started calling me son of Papua. And this woman, she's like, you're a son of Papua. Yes, I am. <laughs> and she's like, seeing you, just seeing you minister has given us hope that we can minister in the same way. And then I realized that God was saying to me that it wasn't what I did that brought the people hope. It was who I am. Just stepping off the plane. Now, a lot of you are looking around like, I'm not black. But what I want you to understand today more than anything else is that God's provision, God's provision is some of the black people like giving each other daps. Like, I am. Stop that. Yeah, I called you out. We're a family here. It's okay. What I want you to understand today is that God's provision, God's provision primarily isn't money. It's not principles. God's provision is not primarily bread that falls from heaven. God's primary provision is people. The way that God provides for us, the way that God seeks to use us, he seeks to use people. God's provision is people. See, our team, we were God's provision of breakthrough to West Papua. God chose each, each individual, each person that was on our team, God chose them because he desired for each person to go and be a vessel of breakthrough. For West Papua. And I want to tell you, in your life, God looks at you and he doesn't just see like another person. He doesn't see a person that I need to teach or a person I need to do this to. Or No, he sees you as a vessel of provision. You are provision for someone else. You may have never thought of yourself that way. You may have looked in the mirror and always thought, well, I don't have anything to give. I'm nothing. Maybe you've been told your whole life that you wouldn't amount to anything. But God looks at you and he says, you're provision to someone else. You know, there are thousands of people who are waiting for you to realize who you are. That they won't get their breakthrough until you recognize who you are in Christ. See, the people in West Papua, they would not have received their breakthrough if I didn't know who I am. If I would have just stepped down and said, oh, well, you know, it's not, 
Not me, you know, the holy raised the roof. You know, it's all him. No, but we, re- we stepped down knowing our identity. Oh, there went my glasses. God, heal my sight right now. Let me get them back. These things, they slide off my face so easily. We went down knowing our identity. I thought that was pretty funny. Some of y'all are afraid to laugh. Can we laugh in church? Yes. Laugh at me. It's fine. <laughs> Snap, my fingers are hecka long. Snap. <laughs> Receive that grace. I heard a pastor once say this. He said, he said, if I'm sick, he said, if I'm sick, don't bring me a medical book. If I'm sick, don't bring me a medical book. He said, I'll smack you across the face. You bring me a medical book. If I'm sick, take me to a doctor, right? Because the doctor is the personification of the principles in the medical book. If I'm in jail, if I've committed something or someone's falsely accused me and I'm in jail, don't bring me a law book. Don't bring me the penal code and say, here you go, Marcus. Now get out of jail. Reading that book is only going to convince me that I'm, I'm, I've either broken the law or I haven't. It's not going to get me out of jail. I need what? A lawyer. You know, if I want to eat some food, I'm really hungry. You bring me a recipe, we're going to fight. No. Bring me some food. That food is the personification. No, the food is a personification, but you bring a chef, a chef with some food, with some ingredients, hopefully. Because the people are the personification of the principles. And we see this all throughout the Bible. When God wanted to set Israel free in Egypt, he did not say just the heavens opened up over Egypt. And he's like, you guys are all free. Here are 10 steps to your freedom. No, he sent them Moses. He sent them a person. When God wanted to lead them into the promised land, even when he gave them the law, he still gave them Moses and Joshua. Why? Because God uses people. When God wanted to call the people to repentance, he did not speak from the heavens and say, repent, repent, repent. See, many of us, that's our relationship with God. That's how we think God operates. We think that God is just going to open up the heavens and speak to us. But God doesn't work like that. No, he sent them prophets. Even with Jesus, we see in first, we see in John 1, 14, 18, it says that he was full of grace and truth. We receive grace and truth through Jesus. But in order for us to receive that grace and truth, God did not open up the heavens and say, now I'm going to give you grace. Here are grace. Here's 10 steps for you to achieve grace. Here are 10 steps for you to get truth. Here is a self-help manual for you to get grace and truth. See, all of us, we, that's why self-help books are so popular. Because we, we gravitate towards principles rather than people. We'll, we'll go to a, a step-by-step thing because we don't have to relate to that. But a person, well, no, see, God did not give them a step-by-step process to getting saved. He sent them Jesus. 
Because Jesus was the personification of grace and truth. In fact, it says in John 1, he was full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1, 3, we read it. It says he's the exact representation of the Father. And God still works like that today. When God wants to bring breakthrough anywhere, he does it through people. When God wanted to change the world, Jesus went to heaven and they're sitting there and they're like, what are we going to do? The disciples are sitting there. They lock the door. They're in the room by themselves. They're, they're praying. Jesus appears to me, says, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not a, a cloud. He's not a mist. He's a person. God always sends people. And then once the Holy, once he sent them a person, he sent those people out because that's the model. So what you need to know about yourself today is that you are a vessel of God's provision. And it's not just the pastor. A lot of people like to think, oh, the, well, I'm going to come to church. The pastor's going to minister to me. Well, the Bible says that your pastors, your teachers, your shepherds, your apostles, your evangelists, your prophets, they're not supposed to do the ministry. I don't do ministry. I equip you to do ministry. See, the Bible says that you are to do the work of the ministry, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which means you are the vessel of provision. That's going to make some of you feel a little uncomfortable. I want you to know the day when you stand before God, God's going to hold you accountable to what you provide. Because you are a vessel of provision one way or the other. That's a Selah moment. Stop. Think about it. Hmm. See, God provides for us through people. And we provide for others. And I don't mean that simply in, in the notion of goods or services. I mean in your very life. The context and the content of your life is provision for somebody. Someone's watching your life and someone's learning from it. So there's two questions. What are you providing? That's the first question. What are you providing? Ask yourself, you know what? If I'm provision, then what am I providing? And the second is, what provision is God seeking to give to me that I'm rejecting? First, what are you providing? See, each and every one of us, we provide something. And there are some people that you can tell immediately they provide life. They provide joy. They provide peace. You know that person that walks into the room and you can tell like everyone just gravitates towards them. There's something that's flowing out of them that is so alive, so amazing that you want to go. And then there's other people that it seems like what's flowing out of them is death and destruction. And you're just like, stay away from me. You know, everyone's having a great time. And then that person walks in. That person right there. What's, what's flowing out of you? What are you providing? What are you providing for others? I want to tell you that God wants you to provide life. God wants you to provide life in your workplace. You know, you are provision for your workplace. See, many people, they complain about their boss. Complain about our job. Man, I hate my boss. I hate my job. I hate that place. I can't stand the people around me. But you know, God sent you there 
And God's looking at you and saying, why are you, I put you there to change that atmosphere. When your family, oh, family, I experienced this so personally because my family, we are like, we have like the complaining spirit. Like we, we just, we used to just complain about everything. Like if the water wasn't hot enough, we complained. If the water was too cold, we complained. Like everything was just complaining, complaining, complaining. And I would complain to God about my family. I talked to God about it. And God's like, you're walking in the same spirit as everyone else. You're just talking to me. And then God began to speak. God began to show me that he was changing my life, that I would be provision in theirs. And now all of a sudden, when I go back to my family and I spend time with my family, just being there, everything shifts. Now I don't even have to be there anymore and things are different. What are you providing? God wants you to provide life. He wants you to provide joy. He wants you to provide peace. And I'm going to talk about three ways that we can start, two ways that we can start to provide, two ways that we can start to provide things better, things of life. The first, tell them I said, what's up? Uh, The first is to pursue godly character. Character is something that Everyone wants, but nobody wants to talk about. Character is something that everyone wants the people around them to have, but we don't want to have it for ourselves. So when someone else around us has bad character, we judge them quickly. But for ourselves, we have so much trouble. You need to pursue godly character. Why? Because what is cultivated on the inside is what will come out. Jesus says in Luke 6, 44 to 45, I want you to write these verses down because I want you to look at it later when I'm not here and you're not here. 44 to 45, Jesus says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of or out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks what are you filling yourself up with on the inside because whatever you're filling yourself up with on the inside is what will come out and a lot of us think that what we have in the secret place that no one can see, what we fill ourselves up with, what no one knows about, that no one else around us can, can be impacted by it, that's completely wrong. Because whatever you fill yourself up with, because you are that vessel of provision, whatever you fill yourself up with, when you step outside your house, when you step outside and you're around other people, you're providing it to someone else. The question is, what are you providing What are you filling yourself up with? Are you pursuing a life of godly character? Are you pursuing a life of honesty and integrity? You know what integrity is? Integrity is a person who on the outside looks, the person that on the inside looks the same as on the outside. There's no difference. You can put them x-ray vision and what you see on the outside and inside, same. That person that raises their hands in worship, that person who's so nice and friendly on the outside, when you look inside, they're not filled with bitterness and contempt. They're not judging people in their mind, but then smiling. No, but there's a consistency. 
integrity. Are you pursuing integrity? Are you pursuing godly character? Because what is on the inside will come out. And second, you got to pursue a filling. You got to pursue more of God's Holy Spirit. You need more of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 22 to 23 says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. See, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, all what begins to happen is that what comes out of you, fruit, begins to be love, joy, peace, breakthrough, the supernatural. Jesus says in John 7, 38 to 39, he says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It says, I love John. He likes to tell us because he knows we don't understand. Now this he said about the spirit. Whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given. It was about the spirit. You got to ask God, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with, with your presence. And as he begins to fill you with his spirit, all of a sudden change begins to happen on the inside. And that change will manifest on the outside. Our sister Sarah went to General Santos. And before she left, I could tell God had, God had, was highlighting her that God was going to do something in her life. You know, when we were, when we be in, in, in our times of Sunday swim or some, you know, I never hear Sarah say anything. But then today, after her trip, she's a different person. I'll tell you the truth. God has done something in her life. He's filled her with his spirit. That's what he's done. Come on. Some of you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, you've been getting drunk off wine, which leads to debauchery. Because there's a a place inside of you that longs to be filled. But then you notice that the product of continually filling yourself with that is leading to nothing. But God says, get filled with the Spirit. And what will ultimately come from it is love, joy, peace, self-control. So that's how you, you begin to change what you're providing. But I want to talk to you lastly about the provision. What provision are you rejecting? Because just as we are a provision for other people, God seeks to provide for us through people. But just as God seeks to provide for us through people, Satan also understands this concept. Satan understands this concept better than we do. Because God wants to provide for us love and joy and peace and breakthrough and healing through people. And Satan knows this. So what he does to most of us is he attacks us early on in our childhood. He attacks us early on in our life with rejection, with pain, with suffering. And then once we get older, we're filled with all this fear. We're filled with with fear and we're, we're afraid of people. We're afraid of connecting. We're afraid of relating to people. And so when God puts someone in our lives, we begin to reject them. When God puts a leader over our lives that, that maybe reminds us of our father, we reject them. When God puts a, a person around us that, that he's wanting to bring healing and restoration into our lives through, we reject them. You know, at New Philly, we have a lot of offensive leaders. 
We have a lot of people that are really offensive, that say things that they shouldn't say from the pulpit. Me being one of them. But I, rec- I realized that God uses offensive people to make us unoffendable. Because Jesus was offensive. Jesus was both offensive and unoffendable. Jesus was never offended by anyone around him. But Jesus was actually the most offensive person in all of human history. And so God will put people in our lives, sometimes people we don't like. Because he's wanting to cultivate inside of us something that we don't have. And the question is, do you open up your heart to relate to them or do you reject them? See, the way that you, the way that you relate to people tells how open you are to receiving God's provision in your life. Because God's provision is people. You know, when you're praying for that open door into the entertainment industry, it's not just going to happen like, no, God's going to bring a person into your life. When you're praying for that breakthrough in your finances, you're wondering, it's not just you're going to check your bank account and boom, I'm rich. No, it's not going to happen like that. God's going to bring people. When you're looking for breakthrough in your family and you're wondering, oh, it'll just spring up. They'll, they'll wake up one day and be a different person. No, God is calling you as a person to step in and relate to them. And we have so much trouble with this, right? But God wants us to pursue reconciliation. And resist rejection. See, Satan attacks us with fear, anxiety, trauma, rejection because he's against relationship. Satan's all about breaking relationship. But God is all about making relationship. Using relationship. That's why God uses people. 2 Corinthians five sixteen to 20 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That means that we no longer look at the people around us in the same way that we always have. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, right? God brought us to a person and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Ambassadors for Christ. What that means is that when people see you, do they see Christ or do they see something else? And when you see other people, do you see them through the lens of Christ? Or do you see them through the lens of the flesh? I want to to tell you this story and I'll close with this. This trip in West Papua, God brought so much breakthrough into my life. I grew up in the South, in, Nor- in, in North Carolina. I grew up in the South. And, and so most of my life was filled with a lot of rejection for the way that I look. Uh, ever since being a, a young child, I've been called numerous things, numerous words that I don't even want to repeat. Um, and been rejected by different people because of the way that I look. And I know for many of you, that may not have been your experience. For most of us, though, I think we've experienced it before. Or we feared rejection just because of the way we look. 
And for me, I thought, you know, well, I live in South Korea. I don't deal with this. Like, I'm done with this. I've gotten past this, you know. God's healed me. He's delivered me. But healing with God is like peeling back the layers of an onion. He takes off one layer. You think you're done. He's like, no, one more layer. You know, you think you're done? Uh, here, one more. You think you're done? No, no, no. Because there's just deeper and deeper restoration and healing he wants to bring to us until we properly reflect Christ. And so I didn't realize that I had this in me. I didn't realize I had this in me until I went to West Papua. And I was ministering to a, a ton of people who looked just like me. You know, I'm used to ministering to a ton of people who don't look like me, where there's like five or six that do. Um, but I was there, and uh, there's two things that happened. One was there was this woman, this short little woman. She looked like my great-grandmother. She just walks in. One day we were greeting people from this prayer gathering that came to greet us and, and say hello. And she walks in, you know, and she shakes my hand, right? She's shaking people's hands. And then she shakes my hand and smacks me across the face. And I was like, and everyone, like everyone was smiling. Like, we didn't know what to do because this old lady just smacked me across the face. I didn't know what to do. Like, do I hug her? Do I smack her back? Like, what do I do? <laughs> like, is this custom? Like, I don't do anything though. Like, I just think, you know what? I'm just going to continue on grace, grace, you know? Especially living in America, too, the face. You don't touch the face. You don't touch my head. But anyways, she smacked me across the face, and I'm thinking, okay, all right. We go on. We minister. Later on, at the end of the trip, the woman comes up to me, and with translation, she begins to talk to me. And I'm thinking, I, I kind of stand like a little further back, you know, <laughs> give her some distance, because I'm like, I know at least one thing, I can move quicker than her. Lateral movement. <laughs> she starts smacking this time. I'm I'm bobbing. And, uh, and she walks up and she says, she says, thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, and I'm talking to her and then the translator says, she's just keep talking, keep talking. I'm looking at the translator. Like, I have no idea what she's saying, but I'm nodding. And then she says, he tells me, he says, what she's saying right now is that she had a son that looked just like you. And his name was Marcus. And he died early. But when she saw you, she was sad at first. She was really sad. But when she saw you minister, and when she saw you just going after God, and she saw the team and how the team was so, so going so hard after God, it made her so happy. Because she knew that even though her son named Marcus was taken away from her that there were still young people out there who were going hard after Jesus I said when I heard that I realized that God it wasn't about just me stepping in West Papua was provision that just stepping into that place was provision See, Satan would try to convince you that the place where you're at, the places where you work, where you interact with people, that you have no impact, 
He would try to convince you that when you walk down the street, you need to be afraid of people because they have potential to hurt you. Therefore, you should put up walls. He would try to convince you that the people, even within this own house, they don't look out for your good and therefore they're just trying to hurt you. But God, God only advances his kingdom through relationship. God only advances his kingdom through people. God only advances it through people who are the personification of everything that he's written in this book. Everything that Jesus has done. What are you providing? There's another altar call where we were ministering and there was this guy at the altar call. And he, uh, he was standing at the altar call and he was just by himself. And I looked at him and he was a small guy and he was, he was, uh, he looked so broken. And when I looked at him, I walked up to pray for him. And as I began to pray for him, my heart began to break, not because of him and what he's going through or anything, but because when I walked up to him, God said, you can learn from this man. Look at his humility in coming before me. And I realized that that man, as I began to just pray for that man, pray with that man, I realized that man was teaching me something about God. That man was provision in my life. You know, the people sitting around you right now, they're meant to be provision for you. They have something inside of them that you need. The question is, are you willing to receive it? And are you willing to give? Are you willing to come before God that, the in, that what's inside of you can be changed, that you provide life to other people? And are you willing to let those walls down so that other people can provide for you, so that God can provide for you through them? Let's pray.